You're listening to You Asked For It, a sermon series based on questions submitted by you. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, we doing all right, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah. It is good to see you, good to see you. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them you're okay, it didn't hurt. Yeah, 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 tell them it didn't hurt when you fell from heaven, right? You tell them that, right? Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm glad that you are joining us today. I'm just one of the pastors here at Elevate, and I'm excited about being in God's house. Y'all excited? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just had the, uh, the bulletin time of the service, but I wanted to kind of re- make two more announcements, if, if you guys will bear with me. First thing is about next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be doing something very special right at the very beginning of our service. We're going to have a blessing of the backpacks, okay? That's the first time that we've ever done something like that. So what we're actually asking is that we're going to have uh, all the kids that are going back to school, 6 to 10, you know, just any kid, again, who's going back to school, to come with your book bag, okay? Wear your book bag. We want the teachers to get involved in this as well. And so we're going to come, and we're going to have prayer over our teachers and over our, 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 our kids, right? Because just because you can't have public prayer in school doesn't mean you and I can't be praying that God's presence floods that place, right? So uh, that's what we're going to be doing. And I I know that, I I know some of the the parents are like, praise God, school's about to start, you know, but some of the teachers are like, oh no, help me God, right? So we're going to pray that it's a good, a good year. We're going to pray God does amazing things. Again, that's next week. Everybody say next week. All right, don't forget, next week, very beginning of the service, we're going to do it right here, and uh, then the kids will be dismissed, I guess, to go back to children's church. So the second announcement that I've got for you is I'm really going to start it off like this. Everybody say, I can help. Yeah, I really need your help. So say it again. Thank you so much. Now, just keep in mind what I'm about to say. You said, I can help in church, and you're not supposed to lie, especially in church, okay? So here's the deal. We are, we are in need of some more volunteers for children's ministry, and everybody in here just said, I can help. And so I'm going to be out in the foyer after service, okay? And if you are interested in impacting the lives of kids uh, on Sunday morning, we want you to come and see me because we want to sign you up and get you involved with that. Again, uh, we only have an hour once a week to, to really influence children for Jesus and let them know that they are loved above all by the creator of all. And so it's a very important task that each and every one of us can be a part of uh, because, again, you better know this world is really trying to influence children, okay? And so we just have a very limited time to do it. So if you're interested, again, in impacting kids uh, with the children's ministry, if you'll see me, I'll be out by the coffee bar uh, after the service today. I'd love to, I'd love to, to talk to you. And so that's really all the announcements I've got for you. So let's get to the message. We are wrapping up a series, our summer series. We're in every summer. It's called You Ask For It. We give you guys an opportunity to submit questions or topics you'd like to hear a message on from the stage. And so if you submitted a question or a topic and it has not been addressed yet, I just want you to know that some of the topics that were submitted have turned into series for the future. So don't get mad if your question hasn't been answered just yet. It might be talked about in great detail in the coming weeks or months. But as we get started today, I wonder how many people in here are ready for college football to start. Anybody, you're ready for college football? Yeah, I'm ready for college football. I'm ready to see the Mississippi State Bulldogs dominate the SEC. Now, 
I didn't say it was going to happen. I just said I'm ready to see it happen, okay? Uh, I'm a Mississippi Bulldog fan. I love Mississippi State. Uh, and so, you know, again, there's, there's all kinds of college football teams out there. And, and there are people out there who really do. They like dumb college football teams. You know what I mean? Like, for example, uh, there are some people who like Alabama. Roll Tide. And, and then there are some people who like LSU. I actually saw some people like, who hey, I like your shirt. Oh, my goodness. And there are even some people who like that dumb college, Ole Miss. You know, hey, speaking of Ole Miss, you know what the average Ole Miss student gets on their SAT? Their, their SAT, what did I say? I was thinking SEC. Hey, I went to Pearl. So you know what they got on the SAT? No, what? Drool. They were sleeping, you know what I'm saying? That's what they are. It's true, for real. I'm a, I'm a Bulldog fan. Don't, no, 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 don't show those pictures yet. But anyway, there are all sorts, all sorts of people out there who like different, who like different college uh, football teams, and people are really passionate about their college football team. They, they really are. And uh, they'll go crazy at the games. They'll go crazy. Uh, and they really, they really get mad if somebody, like, talks bad about their team. Like, uh, I was just talking about Ole Miss, and some of y'all were like, well, I was going volunteer to serve in children's ministry, but I'm not anymore. I'm not even coming back to this church. Y'all are mad. You know what I mean? Because you get passionate. You get passionate about your uh, uh, team. Uh, but I want you to see some of these, these fans right here. Like, uh, again, they're passionate. I think we've got an Alabama fan first. Y'all might have already seen it. Roll Tide, roll. That's, that's like uh, a pretty, pa how many of y'all would wear that out? Oh my, I'm sorry. <laughs> Happy Halloween. No, I mean, so, you know, that's, so again, they're passionate. I, the, the next, I think we got another college football fan here, LSU. Is there an LSU fan right there? Yeah. Look, this is why we need you serving in children's church, man. That guy is influencing kids on Saturday. Look at those Boy Scouts. Like, what in the world is happening there? We need you in children's church on Sunday. Help us out. See me after church. Again, but LSU, I mean, their fans are just weird, right? That's LSU fans. Then I think we even got an a Ole Miss fan uh, right there. Yeah, he's pretty upset. They're pretty sad, sad bunch of people, right? Sad bunch of people. We're glad you're here. Glad you're here. Uh, and, you know, uh, so, but again, people, they really are, they're passionate about their teams. People will go and they will pack out those football stadiums, like uh, the Mississippi State Stadium. We got a picture of that right here. Check this out, man. Look at all those people. In fact, the Mississippi State football stadium, the Davis Wade Stadium, that stadium will hold 61,337 people. And it's packed out at every game. More people actually go to a game than the stadium will allow. And so you know what they do? They tailgate. Check this out. We got another picture here. Look at all these people here tailgating at a Mississippi State football game. Then we got a picture of the Ole Miss football stadium. I know some of y'all are excited about this. And so uh, we had to pay people to actually pose for this picture here. Uh, but this is the Ole Miss uh, football stadium, and that stadium will hold 64,038 people. And again, just like the Mississippi State games, you know, more people go to the Ole Miss football games than the stadium will actually allow. So what do they do? They tailgate. Then we got a picture of the Alabama uh, football stadium. Check this out, man. Look at all those people. The Alabama football stadium will actually hold 101,821 people. And it's packed out every, every game. In fact, more people, again, go to the game than the stadium will allow. So guess what they do? They, they tailgate. They tailgate. They, they pack these places out. This is the scene 
of college campuses all around our nation during college football season. Again, football fans are passionate. When they win, man, they, they will go crazy. My question today is, really, uh, why aren't Christians that passionate? Why aren't Christians that passionate? I mean, come on, let's, let's be honest. Do, do you get more excited about your college football team scoring a touchdown than the fact that Jesus Christ died and resurrected to save your soul? Do you get more excited about that? Why is it that instead of churches being full every Sunday, this is actually what the majority of churches in our country look like nationwide? Why is that? Why, why is that? We'll invite people to go to football games with us, but we won't invite people to go to church with us. We, we hoot and we holler at football games, and, and we come to church, and sometimes we just stand there. We just sit there. We're, we're unengaged. We yawn. We count down the minutes until it's over because we're just ready to get out of there. Why aren't Christians as passionate about Jesus? Well, the question that we're going to look at today, the question, the overall question is, how can I get a passion for Jesus and keep that passion burning? Again, how can we be passionate for Christ? It's, it's very important. See, if you read the Bible and, and you, you, you look at the earthly ministry of Jesus, the disciples followed him for three years, and things were awesome. Things were great. I mean, they witnessed all sorts of miracles. They saw Jesus take a lunchable, basically, that a child had brought to, to see him. They watched Jesus take that lunchable, pray over it, and it be distributed to feed over 5,000 people. In fact, they all ate till they were full, and then they took up 12 baskets of leftovers. They are amazed at that. They, they watched as Jesus cast out demons, and they were amazed. They, they watched as Jesus turned water to wine, and they watched as people took sips of that wine and said, man, this is the best wine we have ever had. They were amazed. They watched as Jesus spoke and quieted a terrible storm. They watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. They were amazed. They were excited. They were passionate, but then Christ was arrested. Christ was beaten. Christ was tortured. Christ was crucified, and the disciples were confused. They were devastated. See, they were hoping that Jesus was going to set them free from, 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 from the Romans. They were hoping that Jesus was going to be some sort of earthly king. They were passionate, but their hope, their passion turned to despair as they watched Jesus bleed. Their passion left them as they watched Jesus die, and they locked themselves in a room, scared to death, because they were afraid they were going to be killed next. But then, Jesus rises from the dead, and, and two angels actually tell a group of ladies, look, Jesus is alive, and, and it gets the ladies excited, and so they go back to the disciples, and they're like, hey man, Jesus is alive, but do you know how these men who were so passionate and who were so excited about Jesus and what he was doing, do you know how they respond? The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 24, verse 11, it says this, but they did not believe the women. Because their words seemed like nonsense. Like nonsense. 
And still today, there are some people who come to church week in and, and week out and they're un, unamused, they're, they're not engaged in worship, but, but they come to church and they think, well, this is just something that you are supposed to do, but they don't have passion and seep deep down, deep down. The reason why is because they think this is a bunch of nonsense. This is a bunch of nonsense. There, there are some people also in churches everywhere who have the same attitude that Peter had when it came to the resurrection. In that same chapter, Luke chapter 24, verse 12, look at what the Bible says. Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Again, there are some who think it's all nonsense, but then there are some who come to church week in and week out, and they don't think it's nonsense, and they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily think that everything is fake, but sometimes they just leave and they wonder to themselves if what is being said about Jesus is actually true. Again, the disciples, though, their passion faded, and they locked themselves in a room, but then... Jesus meets them where they are, and everything changes. Everything changes. After they had witnessed the resurrection, they went to Jerusalem, and they tell other disciples. And again, in Luke chapter 24, verse 34, here's what the Bible says. They respond to this by saying, it is true. They say, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. The resurrection was proved to the disciples, and it should be proved to you and I that Jesus has power over death, hell, and the grave. Hope and passion come from believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where it comes. See, you and I, you and I, we can, we can study the life of Jesus, and we can, we can follow his example, and we can... We can look like Christians, but to be courageous and to really be passionate, that means that we've got to be radically changed by an encounter with the risen Jesus. Could it be that some people in churches all across America aren't passionate about Christ because deep down they don't really believe that he is alive? Could, could that be the reason? I mean, come on. The fact that Jesus died and saved your soul is much more exciting than your football team winning an Egg Bowl trophy last year. That would have been a good place to say amen if you're a state fan. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, but for real. For real, could, could it be that some of us are still confused and we're still devastated, not really believing that the abundant life of Christ wants to rise up within us? See, Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he was a prophet, a great prophet. He was also known as the weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations to lament, to mourn. He one time, he got frustrated with God and he wanted to quit on God because things weren't going the way that he wanted them to. But it's interesting what, G, what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. He says this, But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire, passion to boil over. That's what he said. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I cannot 
do it. See, if you have experienced God's presence, if we have experienced God's presence, that is something that we simply cannot hold within us. If the grave could not hold the presence of Jesus Christ, you better understand that your mouth and your emotions will not be able to contain the risen Christ either. He wants to fill you with his presence and pour you out in this world for him. That's what Christ wants to do. So how do we get a passion for Christ? How do we keep that passion burning? How do we do that? Well, how many of you have ever been camping before? Ever been camping before? A couple people. Uh, you know, uh, camping really used to be a big tradition in my family for generations and generations and generations and generations until they really invented a house, you know, and now I ain't trying to sleep in the dirt, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but how many, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been camping, you've been camping. How many of y'all have ever tried to do a campfire? You tried to make a campfire and get that thing burning all night long? Do you know that that really takes a lot of skill? It does. I mean, you, gotta, you, you can't just go out there and light a fire and it, it just start. You've got to have the right things going on. You know, you might start off with some wood shavings or something like that. Then get you some, some kindling on the bottom there. And then you want to align the wood, the dry wood, just right. Why? Because you need the proper airflow to keep that fire going. And then you need a, a, a source, a power source, right, to light that baby up. You need, you need those things. Because if you don't keep the conditions just right, you know what will happen? That fire will go out. That fire will go out. Well, it's interesting that the great apostle Paul, when he is writing to a young Christian by the name of Timothy, it's interesting what he says to Timothy, because I think it's something that each and every one of us need to hear. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, here's what the great apostle Paul tells this young Christian. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame. Paul says, Timothy, you know, you've got to do things if you want to keep your passion for God alive. You have a role to play. You've got to keep the conditions right if you really want to have a sincere passion for God. And the same thing is true for you and also true for me. And so for the rest of the time that we have together, what I want to do is I want to point out four things to you. Four things to you that you and I need to do. Again, if we want to get a passion for Christ and if we want to keep that passion burning. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing I want you to know, if you want to get a passion for Christ, is you got to get to know God. You have to get to know God. See, it really should go without saying that you really can't love someone that you don't know. You really can't love somebody that, that you don't know. I, I remember when I was in, in junior high, and, and I remember the first time that I had ever gone to a school dance. It was the weirdest thing that they even called those things dances because in junior high, hardly anybody was dancing. Really, you know what was happening? The guys were on one side of the room and the girls were on the other side of the room and they're just like, you know, just looking around, looking weird, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of the te- I mean, so, and so here's what would happen. Here's what would happen is like one of the guys would be like, hey, you need to go ask that girl to dance with you. And you'd be like, no, man, you go ask that girl to dance with you. And they're like, I'm not doing it. You do it. And then somebody would say, all right, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you'd see them walk over there like all the girls are over here. But then instead of going there, they'd be like, 
And then they'd come back and they'd be like, man, I had to go to the bathroom. I had to abort the mission. You know what I'm saying? And you'd be like, what in the world, man? We were just afraid. We were afraid to really do anything to get to know them. Then if you finally got the, the courage to really ask a girl to dance, it was awkward, right? I, I like your sleeves. They're fluffy. I mean, you'd say things like, what in the world are you doing here, right? That's what you We were afraid, again, to get to know the, the person, seriously, when I was young, you would ask a girl to go with you. Anybody, did you ask a girl to go with you? Weirdest thing ever. You never went anywhere together, right? You didn't have a car. You were like, hey, will you go with me? Sure. You aren't in the same class. Let's go together. But once you get older, once you get older, that's really when you start taking the initiative, right? That's when you start taking the initiative to try and get to know the opposite Sex, like Amanda, come on up here, baby girl. Just my wife. We gonna we got a little we got a little uh, a little illustration. She don't know what's finna happen. Y'all give her a hand. <laughs> when I first saw Amanda, seriously, she was she, I thought she was the prettiest thing I had ever seen. She still is the prettiest thing I have ever seen. Like Christmas morning, like when I see her, I just get happy for real. She we love each other. At least I hope she loves me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I really do. But like, when, well, I mean, of course she loves me. Look at this right there. So here's what would happen. So like whenever, whenever you know, I saw Amanda, I, I wanted to do things purposely to get to know her, right? So here's what I, I would do. If she was like in a group of people, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to Good to see. I'd be like that. Or, you know what I mean? If she was sitting down, like, sit down, baby girl, you're doing something. If she was sitting down, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. She'd be like, do it. Do it like you did. Come on, do it. Show them. See? And then I'd be like this. Oh, hey, and she was like, <laughs> do it, do it, yeah, yeah, and so I was, I was like, man, I'm going to get to know this girl, I, I love her, seriously, when I saw her, I was like that, and you know how it is, when you, when you really want to get to know somebody, what do you do, again, you take the initiative, you be on the phone, talking on the phone, hey, girl, hey, pick up the phone, I'm calling, <laughs> I'd be like, hey, girl, what you doing, nothing, that was you talking, seriously, See, she'd be like, nothing. I'd be like, I'd be like, well, what, what, what? We would talk about nothing, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you just sit there and listen to each other breathe. Like, breathe real loud. <laughs> I'm listening to her breathe, right? And then I'd be like, I'd be like, I love you, girl. I love you. She said it first, actually, in our relationship. Tell him. He said, I'm falling in love with you. I said, I love you too. No, no, no. I was saying, I'm almost there. And she was like, I love you. So, anyway. <laughs> But I do, I love her. I really do. And so I'd be like, I'd be like, I love you. And she'd be like, I love you. And then I'd say, I love you. And she would say, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And then be like, well, I got to go. You hang up first. No, no, no. You hang up, girl. <laughs> you hang up first. Okay. Click. No, no, I'm still here, baby. I'm, still, I'm just kidding. I'm still here. I'd be like, girl, I, I love you, right? But here's what I want you to realize. When you're interested in somebody, you, you, again, you do the things. You take the initiative 
to get to know them. And here's what the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 8. I want you to see it. The Bible says, come close to God, and he will come close to you. I wanted to, I wanted to pull up close. I was like, the big, I ask you what your interests are, who you'll be with, things to make you smile, what numbers to dial. You're going to be here for a while. I'm going to call your crew. You're going to call your crew. We can rendezvous at the church around, too. She'd be like, <laughs> Dude, she loved me. She did. She loved me. She still loved me. This, this is, this, I love my wife. I really do. And so that means that what? You know, we, we, we have to do things to get to know one another better. And that's the same way. For Christ, One of the problems with all of us at times is that instead of drawing close to God, you know what we do? We draw close to all sorts of other things, am I right? We draw close to all sorts of other things, but God wants to get to know you. He, he does. See, it would be weird to, to, to like get beside somebody who doesn't want to know you and be like, your hair smells pretty, right? That would be weird. But God wants to get to know you. He already knows you, all your zits, all your pimples, all your braces. He loves you in spite of all your imperfections. He loves you, and he wants you to know him. That's why he came to this earth. He left heaven. He left heaven to come so that you and I would be able to draw close to him. That's amazing. You and I need to get to know the God who loves us. That's how you get passion. But again, don't, don't like, if somebody don't want to get to know you, don't do that. You'll get arrested for stalking, okay? Don't do that. But y'all give it up for my lady. She did so good. She did so good. I love my girl. Girl, I love you. So if you want a passion for God, what do you got to do? You got to get to know God. The second thing you got to do, if you really want to get to know God, if you want to get a passionate about God, keep that passion burning, is you've got to pray constantly and consistently. you got to pray constantly and consistently. Again, if you study the life of Jesus or any other person in the Bible who had a passion for God, what you're going to see is that prayer was a vital part of their life. See, prayer, sincere prayer, again, is how you and I communicate with God. Listen to me. Men and women don't fall in love with one another without communicating. They don't. To, 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 to really get Amanda, I didn't just look at her like. You know, she thought I had some weird twitches or something like that, right? We, we talked. We communicated. We have been married for 15 years, and we still have the need to communicate with one another. It still exists because, listen to me, if you stop communicating with one another, you know what will happen over time? That passion will go away. Your love will grow cold. And it's the same way with God. When you and I stop talking to him, if you stop talking to God, if you stop praying, you better believe that your passion for God, it's going to go out. One time Jesus and his disciples, man, they were, they were talking, they were hanging out, and Jesus says something that shocks them all. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, here's what he says. Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, This very night, you will all fall away on account of me. And so everybody's like, no way. Peter's like, no, not today, not any day. And he gets, he gets so excited about it. Look what he says. Peter replies this in verse 33. He says, 
even if all fall away on account on you, I never will. And Jesus looks at Peter and he's like, hey, I wish that was true, Peter. But in fact, this very night, you are going to deny me three times. And look at what Peter says in verse 35. It says, but Peter declared, like he declared it. He didn't just say it. He declared it like one, two, three, four. I declare a thumb war. This is serious, right? He declares, look, he says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples the same. The very next verse, verse 36, says, then, just, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 40, then he turned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Watch what Jesus says. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you men pray with me for one hour? He asked Peter and watch. He says, he says, watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, listen to me. Peter and the disciples, they, they, they may have had a great desire to know God, but they failed at it because they didn't pray properly. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray. Pray constantly. Pray consistently. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 say, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Pray consistently. Pray constantly. That's how you get a passion for God, and that's how you keep that passion going. It's crazy. There are times when I'll ask people. They're like, man, I just want to take my walk with Christ deeper. And I'll say, are you praying? Yeah. Really? Well, if you, if you have to like, yeah, you're not really praying. Right? I, I know when I've talked to my wife, I know it. You should know when you have talked to God. So if you want a passion for God, get to know him. Pray constantly and consistently. And the third thing, if you're keeping notes, you, is this. You want to walk closely with him now. Walk closely with him now. After the nation of Israel is freed from the bondage of, of the Egyptians, uh, God, gives, God gives Moses the law to give to the people. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, Moses says something to the Jews that they still repeat to this day. They actually say this multiple times a day. It's called the Shema. And look at what he says. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. All of those things are Good. Those verses, they, they, they talk about walking with God during every day of our life. We're to walk with God when we're at home. We're to walk with God when we're at work. We are to walk with God when we are at school. We are to walk with God always. The problem with so many people who call themselves Christians is that they only walk with God on Sunday. They only walk with God on Sunday. 
Your relationship with God, my relationship with God, it should affect every aspect of our life. C.S. Lewis once said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing Christianity is not is moderately important. How important? How important is your relationship to God to you? Is it just moderately important? Or is it of infinite importance? The sad truth is that some people who call themselves Christians, they, they think about their walk with Christ the same way they think about vitamins. You know what I mean? It's like they know they should take them. They're good. But if I forget to take them one day, I'll be okay. If I forget to take them for a week, I'll be okay. If I forget to walk with God one day, I'll be all right. If I forget to walk with God for, for a week, I'll, I'll be all right. See, when I was a kid, I loved those Flintstone vitamins. Anybody else you like those Flintstone vitamins? Ten million strong and growing. Anybody remember that? Man, I love it. But I don't take Flintstone vitamins anymore. You know why? Because I'm an adult. Those are for kids. And so there again, there are some people who think the same thing about their walk with Christ. That's for kids. Oh, kids are supposed to love God. Kids are supposed to really give God their heart, but not adults. No. Adults, all of us should be giving God our best. We should be walking with God now. Jesus was consumed with the things of God. He was eaten up with passion for God. Here's what the disciples, the disciples even saw it. In John chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible says this. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Do the people around you see that you are consumed with a passion for God? Do the people around me, do they, do they see that I am consumed with a passion for God? Do they see us doing everything that we possibly can to walk with him now and draw close to him now? Because if you want a passion for God, again, you have to follow him closely now. So if you want a passion for God and you want to keep that passion going, you got to get to know God. you got to pray consistently and constantly. you you got to, you got to walk closely with him now. And the last thing that I want you to see that you got to do is you got to eliminate the competition. you got to eliminate the competition. See, there are a lot of things that compete for our love. A lot of things. There are a lot of things that compete for our passion. We are, again, we're passionate about our football teams. We're passionate about popularity. We want everybody to like us. We are passionate about, you know, about trying to please people. That's why we run ourselves into the ground sometimes. We're, we, we, sometimes we let our walk with God suffer because we don't want people to look at us like we're weird. We, we do it even when we come to church. Even when we come to God's house with God's people on God's day. We, we're, 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 we're so worried about what other people are going to think about us. And instead of, instead of looking up, we're all looking around. Instead of, instead of looking at the one who is above all and through all, we, we're looking around. See, I'm wrapping up. But when Amanda and I were dating, 
I knew that I wanted to be with her forever. I knew that. So I asked her dad, I said, Mr. Bill, I said, I'd like to, like to marry your daughter. You know what he said? No. <laughs> he yelled at me for two hours. No. No. He gave me all sorts of reasons why it didn't need to happen. Let me tell you, if you say that you're going to really get a passion for God, and that's who you're going to love, this world is going to give you all sorts of reasons as to why you shouldn't do that. They are. But I, I just knew. I knew Amanda was who God had for me. And so after a year, I, I asked her to marry me, and I did it in front of a whole lot of people. See, I was working at an after-school enrichment program, and so it was the end of the year, and we were having our end-of-the-year program, and the end-of-the-year program was a 70s theme. And so what I did was I had all the kids make these poster boards with like 70s stuff on it. There was like hearts, peace signs, and stuff like that. And so they all made these poster boards, and they put them around their neck. And so at the end of the program, I walk out, and I got a big old afro on, a tie-dye T-shirt, you know, and I got a poster around my neck. I'm wearing pants, too. That would have been a real weird 70s program. Anyone anyway, wearing pants? So, uh, sorry. Uh, but anyway, so I walk out. I walk out, and there's a 70s song. I don't even remember what the 70s song was that was playing. But then the music kind of stopped like we were having technical difficulties, and the music changed to Barry Manilow. You know I can't smile without you. That's the song that came on. And when that song came on, all the kids, they flipped over their poster boards, and the sign said, Will you marry me, sweet girl? And I had a sign around my neck that said, Check yes or no on the other side. And I got down on one knee, and I asked Amanda to marry me. And here's the deal. There were all sorts of people in the room. I, I couldn't tell you who they all were. The only person in that moment that I was focused on was Amanda. I, I wanted to be with Amanda forever. Well, here's what I want you to realize. <laughs> I expected a, an answer from Amanda. You know, if she'd have got up and left, I don't know how I would have responded. But, but here's, here's the deal. You need to understand that Christ is down on one knee and he's asking you to love him above all. He's asking you to commit your life to him, to follow him passionately, to pursue him. He's doing that right now and he expects an answer. Again, if you walk out of these doors and you don't respond with a yes. Think about, again, how that would have made me feel with Amanda. I just want you to know that Christ, he's, he's wanting you exclusively. See, you can't love the world and love Christ at the same time. Because Jesus one time said, he says, you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Are you passionate about Christ?
He loves you today. And he wants your love in return. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. I know we're all in different places. But I know sometimes in my own life, my passion for God fades. And it's because I neglect these things. If you've neglected your walk with Christ, you'd say, Pastor, pray for me that I'll get a passion and keep that passion burning. My message you just raise your hand right where you are. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would help these to continue to be passionate for you. Father, I pray that you would help me to continue to be passionate for you. Father, you've been so good to me, and you've only given me your best. Help me, Father, to do the same. Help us, Father, to do the same. We're continuing to pray that every head bowed and every eye closed, but I wonder today, if there's somebody here who doesn't know Christ as your personal Savior, you need to know again that He's on one knee and he's asking you to marry him. He's asking you to love him. So if you're here today and you know that you need to commit your life to Christ, you know that you need to be saved, I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer. Father, today I confess all of my sins. I need you. I need you to save me this morning. I'm blown away by the fact that you love me with all my flaws. But you love me so much that you don't want me to stay that way, Father. You've got a new life for me. Mold me into the person you want me to be. Again, I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Help me live for you all of my days. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer just to receive Christ, to receive salvation today, I'm going to ask that right where you are, you just raise your hand so that I can know that God's moving, that God's working, that God's drawing. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for moving. Thank you for loving us. I pray in Christ's name.